high noon on a Thursday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. Time to go inside the electric factory. Euler and Motes with you here for the next two hours on Steelers Nation Radio. I've missed you, buddy. I mean, it's been, Man, it's been like about six, it. six days since we've done one of these radio shows. You've been all over the country. Oh, stop it, man. Out on the West Coast with the Steeler Nation. Look, because you were so big time, I had to find other ways to – you know, occupy my time. Every time I'm talking to you, like, yo, I got to go produce this show. I got to go call this game. I got to go do this for this hockey thing. I got this. I'm like, yo, Wes, when do you sleep, bro? Like, no I sleep. Sh- from training camp, from the time Holy the training camp cow. starts in July through uh, Valentine's Day. There's no sleep. Hey, oh, but I will say this, man. Shout out to uh, I finally got to meet Devin. Devin and Devin. Yeah, he sent me a yeah, selfie of you, man. too. <laughs> he, he, awesome time, man. He was, cool dude. He was loving it. He was loving it. Arthur Motes <laughs> was out on the West Coast for the San Francisco 49ers game, and we haven't spoken since then, Motes. It's yeah. been about six days since we've been on the air together. It's been far too long. I see you came with a fresh polo. Your hair looks beautiful. The hair's coming back. Hey, man. Hey, I don't want to call it a comeback, baby. Because it never done. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, a plenty to dive into today. Uh Maybe the best way to put this right is just I think it's good to have a conversation about the state of the Pittsburgh Steelers Absolutely. right now. Uh, everything from, from defense, um, a lot going on there with those guys, particularly uh, in the run game, in the turnover department, and late in game. So let's start there, Arthur Most right, You're a defensive guy. This is Pittsburgh. The defense. I, I think you saw – man, it was almost – Everything good and everything bad in a in a sixty minute performance on Sunday in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I mean, five turnovers. Geez, that's like a third of the turnovers that the Steelers had in the entire season right. last year. Uh, but again, for the second straight week, completely gashed in the run game. Yes. Again, for the second straight week, and something that's kind of started. I don't want to say a theme, but something that we've seen too many times over the last two years, mm-hmm. where forget what the defense did you know, through 55 minutes of the game, right? came down to the end and just weren't able to hold a lead late in game. We saw that last year in Oakland and in Denver and in Cleveland and in against the Saints in New Orleans. And we saw it last week against Seattle and now again. But there's a lot of minutia Correct. in there. When Maybe this is the question I want to start with you. Oh, let's do it, man. Talk about it. How do you force five turnovers as a defense? Okay. Yet the opposing offense still runs 22 more plays than you do. All right. Well, let's talk about it then. So, first off, with the five turnovers, that's an inflated number. It is. Two of them were forced. Three of them were gifted. But you know that line that I pull no, no, no. out from we're, time we're, to time. We're going to talk about People don't ask how. They ask how many. But that's the problem, though, right? When we talk about stats not telling you the whole truth, just a story. It gives you a piece of the story, not the whole story. So, if you read into the five turnovers, you're thinking, this defense balled out. It's no way – they shouldn't have had a great day. That wasn't the case. This defense, they forced two turnovers. Minka Fitzpatrick. But you look at the interception by T.J. Watt, gift wrap layup. You look at the two fumbles by Garoppolo, or if you want the one to be Garoppolo, the other could be on the receiver who the ball hit. Those are all layups. Those are gimmies. Now, granted, they were in the right position to go ahead and recover them, so tip your cap to them in that regard. But out of all five of those turnovers, three of them were in the red zone. Three of them were inside the 15. I know. So when you really look into these turnovers, they didn't have stops. They were about to get scored on three times. That's 21 points. If San Fran doesn't have malpractice at the quarterback position with Jimmy Garoppolo, those are 21 points that go unanswered. 
and we're not even having this conversation in terms of how could this defense have done the five turnovers but not made these stops or given up this many yards and things like that. So that's why I say a lot of times you can't read into that element of it because it's not realistic. It's not true. Now, in terms of the amount of plays, though, that is a direct correlation to the third down percentages. Yep. They're not getting off the field on third down. And then and the offense the isn't extending offense, drives correct. on third down. And those are the big issues. If you just look over the first three games, I believe for third downs, what the Patriots were uh, – in terms of the offense, staying on the field, 3 of 12 for third down. Seahawks, 3 of 11. 49ers, 3 of 12. So You're, if you look at that, the opposing offense is converting way over 50%. Way over. It's not even close. You want to be down below 50. They're right. way over 50. Right. So I'm like, when you just look at these teams offensively and defensively working in concert, they're not doing that. Whereas what you saw from San Fran on Sunday was this. When the Steelers turned – when, when uh, the 49ers would turn the ball over, their defense were making them kick field goals. Mm-hmm. The first four turnovers in the first half, they only gave up six points, two field it's goals. It's unbelievable. Right, whereas when the Steelers had their two turnovers, they turned into touchdowns. And that's the biggest thing, trying to work in concert, whereas if the offense isn't playing up to par, defense steps up. And then you want it to be where offense and defense plays up to par at the same time. Now you get the perfect storm. Right now they're not doing that. They're taking turns. So even when the defense – like I said, from an inflated standpoint of these turnovers, you're looking at like, oh, the defense is helping out. They're making a play here. Okay, cool, but now the offense has to work with them. And then when the second half, when the offense did start to heat up a little bit, now the defense, you could say they were gassed. You could say they weren't so executing. So frustrating. But I don't even say that they weren't executing because up until that point, they still hadn't stopped them. It was just the 49ers were basically shooting themselves in the foot. And those are the things that you really have to understand. And then I don't even want to, like, get into the nitpicking of it, but when you look at when the offense, quote-unquote, started to heat up, it was when the backup cornerback came in and they took advantage of him. Which was smart. Which absolutely is smart. And that's why I say, like, okay, the stats, they tell a part of the story, right? So in terms of Mason making those throws to Deontay Johnson, you have to execute. So they executed. Cool. But prior to that injury happening, do we even know we're going to see that? And that's where I'm just kind of like, it's uh, other things associated with this game that when you really dig deep into it, it's a lot of concerns from offensively and defensively. And they have to get addressed in order for this team to win, in order for this team to look like they have a chance at putting something formidable together for the rest of the season. We know, uh, for fans, for people in our position, and I'm sure even for for a lot of the members of the Steelers coaching staff, et cetera, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Right? Absolutely, it's easy to look back now and say, "Oh, you should have done this. You should have done this. You shouldn't have done this." Well, right. you should have done that instead. Play action. That's your thing, man. <laughs> it's it's easy. It's so easy to point out now. But looking back on it, is it is it clear that the Steelers were too conservative in the first half, particularly after a lot of those turnovers? Or do you think, as a guy who's been there? When you've got a new quarterback, when you're trying to kind of still cut your teeth and figure out how you're going to go about scheming this offense now with a backup quarterback in there, mm-hmm. and then you compound that with the fact that, right, like, wow, look at all, like our defense forcing a turnover, forcing a punt, forcing a turnover. Our defense came to play. We don't need to rush this. We don't need to force things. It, it, is it easy to understand that logic for you? Or is it still just, man, after one of those turnovers, like they got to go for a kill shot. They got to take a chance. They got to do something to kind of create some separation there on the scoreboard. Yeah, so football one on one says after a turnover, 
you take a shot. Or once you cross midfield, you take a shot. But when you have a young quarterback who's making his first start, I understand people saying take the training wheels off. And that sounds good in theory until you have a guy that goes out there and has a Nathan Peterman-type performance. And now you're like, why would you do that, put the training wheels back on? So for the coaching staff, when you're looking at the defense, and granted at the time, they're cre- they're getting the turnovers. Like when you're in the game, you're not saying, oh, how did they get these turnovers? You're just right. saying they got them. You're just saying, look at how good our defense right, is playing. Right. And that was the feeling when we were in the stadium. Like, oh, man, they got turnovers. They're boiling out. Then you look at the film and you're like, oh, no, this wasn't good. But – when you're thinking about those things, you're saying to yourself, let's make sure that Mason isn't the reason why we lose. Sure. Let's make sure he's not put in a position where he's going to cost us the game. And you could say maybe he was a, they were a little too conservative with it, but I think it was just the smart thing to do at the time. And like you said, hindsight being 20-20, oh, yeah, take a shot. Right. I mean, if you weren't going to score anyways, take a shot. But I think the way the defense was playing, they felt very confident that they could continue to have success. I, I think that's a huge part of it. Yeah. I, I, it, again, I know it's, it's always the hindsight is always, you know, it's always crystal clear. It's always Absolutely. 2020. But I, I do. That's something we've heard all week is, ah, oh, they got to be, you know, got to be more risky. Can't be that conservative. Can't be that conservative. And, you know, again, looking back on it. Yeah, sure. It's easy to say that. Right. But I do think, yeah, man, it's, it's when your defense, I mean, it was what the fourth or fifth possession that the Niners had before they even crossed midfield. Absolutely. It's easy in that moment when you're in-game coaching to think like, all right, there's no need to rush this. Mm-hmm. We don't need – like, it's it's fine. Let's just get points. Look at right. what our defense is doing. And let's make doing. sure that we're not we taking get the, a chance and losing the game. We get the ball stupid. back at halftime. Absolutely. Uh, I get it. As yeah. much as it is frustrating, certainly from a fan perspective too, yeah. I do get it. Well, and that's the thing too that we always have to understand the difference between fandom – and actually being strategic and doing things that are going to help you win. I mean, if we just followed the fan aspect, it would be, hey, line up at five wides every play, just throw the ball every down. Hey, man, just play action. You don't even have to run the ball. Just play action at five wide. We'll be fine. And it's like, on paper, sure, that sounds good. Even on Madden, that sounds good. But when it comes to real-life games, that doesn't work like that. It's other factors and variables that go into it. And that's why I have a hard time when people are like, they don't like the different decisions that are being made from a coach's standpoint because it's so much that goes into just one decision. It's not – you can't just highlight every bad one and say that's it because it wasn't just a handful of bad plays. It was still some good stuff that was going on out there. And it's things that you definitely can't overlook that were out there as well. But all of that goes into this makeup of a game and ultimately leading them to this 0-3 start. It's it's a whole lot to digest. There's – I mean, we've we've joked before, really. You know that like, there's no black, there's no gray area in right. sports talk. It's only right? absolutes. It's, it's man. only absolutes. It's all black and white. But man, there's just there is a ton of minutia to break down here with the Steelers up from Sunday, from the first three weeks of the season, and obviously the state of the team going forward, and just how important the next two weeks are to kind of keeping preserving any type of hope. Uh, and, and positive outcome for this season. When we come back here, we will talk to our buddy Brian Backo. The one and only. Of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You know what, Motes? He's coming off his first incorrect prediction. Hey. So we'll have to see how the Batman right. is feeling. We'll also talk to him about the importance of the next two weeks and some of those things we saw with the defense and the offense out in San Francisco. Euler and Motes, you are inside the electric factory. We'll have Brian Backo of the Post-Gazette when we return right here on Steelers Blitz. The Pulse of Steelers Nation. This is Kevin Colbert of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you're listening to Steelers Nation Radio. 
This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Inside the Electric Factory, it's Euler and Motes joined now as we are every Thursday by our good friend of the show, Brian Backo, covers the Pittsburgh Stellars. The one and only. For the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. What's happening, Brian? Just another Day in paradise, gentlemen. Always a pleasure to join you here. I mean, the the Steelers are down, but we are we are not. We are still chipper and enjoying the uh, the electric factory here. Hey, man, they could go zero and sixteen, and we'll still find a way to. We're smile. still putting in work. absolutely, man. <laughs> we got to kind of put you on the spot here to Uh-oh. start things off. Call him out. Call I mean, him out. Up until this point, you know, our our relation, our on air relationship uh-huh. was established in what in May, back during OTAs and mini Talk camp. about it, Wes. Yep. And I mean, ever since then, Ground you've floor. been just dynamite with your predictions. Dynamite, dynamite. Can't had, go wrong. We're on a roll this season so far, but made a lot of money off of you too, man. <laughs> Those first two weeks. <laughs> Finally, you said with us yeah. last week, you had just a good feeling about the Steelers heading out to San Francisco. Moats and I, to be fair, shared that sentiment. It's because you talked me into sharing that sentiment, man. I ain't want to share that sentiment, but Batco got me on the hype train. Three weeks, uh. yet to find the first victory. How are we feeling about the state of the Steelers here as we uh, kind of, in a weird week, are waiting for Monday night? It's tough. It is a weird week. Everything, you know, for us media guys to take you behind the curtain, everything's pushed back a day. So I had a, you know, random day off yesterday because of, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, just the, the way that everything has fallen. Someone needed to be around available Monday as uh, Jerry and Ray Fittipaldo came back from the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, in, in my gut, I feel like this team is, is better than the record says. And there's not a ton to back me up on that. I mean, I do think they've played three pretty good teams. I threw this uh, this galaxy brain theory out on Twitter the other day, and, and a lot of people gave me some, some flack for it. But I said, hey, for all we know, if you just go by wins and losses right Talk now in the it. NFL standings, the top five teams might very well be the Patriots, you yeah. know, the 49ers, 3-0. No mm-hmm. one's beating them. Uh, the Rams are 3-0. Mm-hmm. Their only losses – or, excuse me, the Saints are 2-1. Their only losses to the Rams, who are yep. 3-0. The Seahawks are two and one. Only Their lost only the loss Saints. is to the Saints, Boom. whose only losses to the Rams. You know, you just go down the line one by one. Maybe the Steelers are number six, guys. I like it. What do you think? Hey, I'm drinking that Kool Aid. <laughs> Moats likes I it. I like it. He's falling. He's picking up what I'm putting. Yeah, down. Absolutely. I think if that's the case, they better absolutely win these next two weeks. Well, that would maybe mean they would be maybe would mean three weeks. Thirteen and three. They're running the tables right? from here on out. Everyone knows that, man. All right, listen. One game at a time. Yeah. All right. You can't hey. run the table without winning one first. Well, we're chalking this one up. We chalk this in Miami as guarantees. Bigger surprise to you that the defense in a game where they had five takeaways, the Steelers end up losing that game. Or a game when the defense has five takeaways, yet somehow the Niners still manage to run 22 more plays and have, what, 11, 12 minutes more possession than the Steelers. Yeah, that was the most defensive snaps that the Steelers have played this year by a very small margin. I think it was 79 against the Niners and 78 against Seattle. Okay. So, I mean, they were out there just – Back-to-back weeks. Yeah, yeah, back-to-back weeks in the high 70s. That's tough for a defense to to try to make some plays and and stay on their P's and Q's. But – the the former is what gets me, Wes. I mean, you talk to any football guy out there, a coach, a player, someone who's been doing this for a long time and, and pretty much has tunnel vision in terms of how to win games and lose games. When you win the takeaway battle, 
That's, you should that's win the, the game. And when you win it by three. That's the one. And you don't win the game. A lot of stuff went wrong. Now, I know that winning the takeaway battle in, in San Francisco is, uh, you know, it, it's not like you would normally think. I mean, there were some some really uh, bad blunders by, <laughs> by uh, Jimmy G and, and cool. company. But at the same time, that still flips the field. It, it still is a takeaway for your defense, however you get it. And the fact that they couldn't capitalize on that early was – uh, just a you know kind of a bad coincidence a little bit there when you have a new guy under center who's trying to get comfortable. The thing that I'll be curious to hear from Mason Rudolph and Randy Feetner when they meet with us media guys tomorrow, probably after practice, is was the game plan that conservative coming in uh, intentionally or was Mason maybe just not letting it rip like he would if, if it wasn't his first start? Now, do you feel that that should have been the approach with Mason, being that he's young, on the road, and at the time, the defense was creating the turnovers. Granted, like I was talking about Wes earlier, we didn't know when you're in the stadium watching it that they're just layup turnovers. You're just seeing them as turnovers. So did you feel that the conservative call should have been like that, or do you think it should have got more aggressive? I think that sounds good in theory to, to play it really safe with a young guy in his spot. But uh, I think a little – I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. of course. Right. Don't get me wrong. It's easy to say this now, and it's easy to say this when – uh, my livelihood doesn't depend on these games, but <laughs> I, I think when you saw it in the second half, once he started to get a little bit more vertical and take some shots, it played out well for, for Mason Rudolph yeah. and the Steelers. Now, he wasn't pinpoint accurate or anything like that, but for the most part, did a fine job taking care of the ball. I mean, the, the interception that he threw was really bad, but it was, it was still just one pick. He, he didn't go out there and Nathan Peterman it. In the first half of, of his day. You know, where'd that, guy, where'd that guy go to college? You guys already mentioned him <laughs> We already had a Peterman reference. I love it. Yeah, yeah, that's brutal. Well, you know, uh, closet pit fan moats oh, over here. stop that, man. Yeah, so you know, so he didn't go Peterman uh, on them. But at the same time, I mean, hey, maybe a reason for how well he took care of the ball in the first half was because he was taking the low percentage throws yeah. and, and not trying to do too much. But, uh, of course, when you look back and, and you see that I thought Mason was more decisive in the second half, both with his arms and his feet. I mean, there were yes. a couple times in that first half where, you know, you, you come away from him getting sacked and you think, okay, this guy really can't move. He's a statue. I don't think that's the case. I think it was more that he was just too slow to realize that run lane was there, and he, he was able to finally pick one up in the in the second half, uh, a little bit of a scramble and, and move the chain. So uh, some good, some bad, certainly. I just think the, the main takeaway here, whether it's for the Steelers or for its – you know, for us looking in uh, on the outside is that uh, you, you got to turn them loose a little bit more. And now what do you think has been the biggest issue with the Steelers offense in terms of third down conversions? Because they've been, I mean, very JV-like yeah. throughout these first three games in terms of their uh, conversion rate. It's easy to say play calling, I think. Mm. Um, Gene Collier of the Post-Gazette always has a good line <laughs> where it's uh, – you know, you you get the first down, good play call. You don't get the first down, stupid terrible play call. Play terrible call. call so, man. I mean, terrible. that's you know, there's results yeah. bias and and stuff like that, and and you need to come in with a good plan on third down, regardless of whether it works or not. Like right. if, if you put in a play that requires extra effort by James Conner or someone to to mm -hmm. get that yard, then then maybe it wasn't a good play call and it just worked out because of the Jimmys and Joes rather right. than the X's and O's. But uh, I, you know, to me, looking at it, I, I do think it's the offensive line just not getting enough push in those crucial moments. I mean, it. They haven't been all bad. You know, they're still having some decent moments here and there, but they're not playing well enough. They'll be the first guys to tell you that, and I think it's being reflected the most in those money-down situations where yeah. it's keep the chains moving or get off the field. Yeah, I agree. And, and the fact that you, we all have to describe the offensive line is they're not playing terrible yeah. all the time. They, they got some spots. Not good. 
that's not how you want to talk yeah, about this. Certainly offense. by their standards, right? Too. I mean, because for the past couple of years, they were viewed as one of the top O lines, if not the top O line, in the NFL. So now, just trying to figure out what's going on with them as well, because they bring back everyone outside of uh, well, even Fowler played yeah. a, a ton last season. Yeah, most coming into the season. I mean, they, even yeah. before Ben went down, you you figured there's a lot of moving parts. But on that this was team the and on this constant. offense. You thought you could count on that. Absolutely. All these things are intertwined, right? They're all related. The offensive line struggles, the third down conversion, not winning as much on first and second down. Uh, how much of that is related to the lack of run game? I mean, we you look at the numbers right now, Joe Mixon and James Conner, it's almost shocking at the lack of production they've had. But let's stick with the Steelers before maybe we look at the Bengals. Worried, concerned, full-on panic uh, with James specifically and just the run game in general? Yeah, I don't think it's a full-on panic, and I think those two discussions are a little bit separate. I mean, right now I there's agree. a discussion of whether James's ball security is is something that we really have to be concerned about going Oof. forward. And, and two, you know, is James still a feature running back in this league? I mean, I, that I think, yes. I, I think he's – I don't think he's a different guy from last year. I, I think he's the same guy, uh, you know, didn't didn't take this off season and, and sort of just loaf. Uh, right. You know, he, he tried to get better. He he looks like he's in even better shape this year. He looks like he has the same kind of burst, but he's not getting a whole lot of opportunities to get to the second level. And when he is, he's not necessarily able to rip off that one big run right now. Right. That'll happen. If, if you're a running back, you need to rely on your offensive line to just keep knocking on that door and giving you opportunities to get to that second level and bust the big one. So it hasn't been there for him yet. I, I don't think he's been – particularly bad I mean I know a lot of people were down on him especially if you're looking at the counting numbers you drafted him in round yeah. one of fantasy which I think I also said on this show I wouldn't necessarily do was that here I, yeah, I, I, I think, think it was yeah, I, I think it was yeah. go with that so um, I think we're under the impression though that it was going to be due to the running back by committee yeah, approach that, hey not the performance pro pro approach they don't Start ask how though they ask how many and he <laughs> got that one it's the bottom line <laughs> Bottom line, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you know to to build off that actually, Moats. I mean, it, we need to see a little bit more Jalen Samuels. Yeah, I agree. In this game plan, zero if, touches. Yeah, if for no other reason than just fourteen your, snaps, but yeah. zero, touches. zero touches. Yeah, it, there's, I have fans asking me, is was he quietly suspended or something? No, he played. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was on the field. He was, he was on, the, on field, the field, but no touches. but you know, if you don't watch it as closely as someone that has to you know cover this for a living, right. yeah, he certainly wasn't noticeable because they Absolutely. didn't throw or, or put the ball in his chest. So I think you need to see him. Uh, at least get involved a little more, and that's where the creativity onus is going to fall on Randy Feetner to try to figure out a way to use him, especially now that you might be down your number one tight end in Vance McDonald, a guy that Mason Rudolph was really leaning on. And I'll tell you what, I, I know he didn't set the world on fire in the preseason, but I still think Benny Snell can can maybe give you a jolt here and there, and, and you don't want to completely go away from James Conner or anything like that. So the more that you want to get some touches for the other two backs, you're taking away from him, but doesn't hurt to keep him fresh, and uh, and I, I think Benny Snell's been better in the regular season in a very short sample size yeah, that's than smart. he was in the exhibitions. Well, I was going to ask you, too, where is James's confidence right now? Obviously, he had the big fumble, and he hasn't been playing up to his standards and what a lot of the fans had the expectations of him going into the year. So where do you think he is mentally right now? Uh, that's uh, Only James knows. I mean, uh, yeah. honestly, I, mean, I, I wrote a big feature on him coming into the year. He's coming off the breakout, the Pro Bowl. Right. Now the big question is, what do you do for an encore? So far, he hasn't done much, uh, I think, from James's past. And everything he's overcome, not just off the field with um, with those issues, but right. even on the field in, in terms of waiting his turn, both in, in high school and college and now here in the NFL, 
he doesn't strike me as the type of guy that's ever going to beat himself up or, or get right. too down on himself. I think he's got a lot of uh, self-motivation, and he's, he's self-driven, and that comes internally for him. So now he's going to have to channel that and, and be able to beat up on a Bengals defense that, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't struggling. say it's – Yeah, they're struggling, but they, they've still got some decent personnel in there. It's, right. it's I think, the – it's a chance for him to get right. It's, it's a get-right game for everyone on this team. But you know what? Cincinnati might be looking at the Steelers the exact same oh, way. Oh, man. It's crazy you, to think about. Do you think there's ways the Steelers can maybe put James and – company the offensive line in a better place to succeed maybe less out of less running out of uh, the shotgun those sidecar handoffs and maybe just three-point stance and and letting James get ahead of steam and well, kind of and James did say that he likes to, he's more effective when they're running yeah, downhill versus the side the side right runs. and I think most offensive linemen at least Tunch and Wolf and yeah. I know they're the two old fogies they're old school but it's just easier to run block when you're in a three-point stance and that was pretty much uh, the, the way he got a lot of his work done in college as well at, at Pitt and that's that's how he, um, you know, picked up as many yards and, and touchdowns as he did back in the day. I, it's easy to say that, but when you don't have a fullback like Roosevelt Nixon there, can't necessarily run that personnel as much as you'd you'd Absolutely. want to. And, and I know that Nix didn't play in Week One offensively against the Patriots, but you'd have to think uh, after how much they struggled to run the ball first in Foxborough, and were doing so early uh, against since uh, Seattle. Excuse me. You got to think that if he were healthy. It would have been the perfect time to say, guys, we need a spark. Get Rosie in there and, and let him pave the way. I mean, uh, I, I'm I'm a little, I guess, confused as that they haven't at least really tried someone else in that role. I mean, Xavier Grimble has gotten a little bit of full back work here and there, but now he's down yeah. on IR, and and I don't know that you have an obvious uh, you know body type that you can really put in there. Uh, some people are questioning if if maybe Jalen Samuels or Benny Snell can do it. I don't know. They're best a little they're snap, they're a little light in the pockets. Man. Yeah, they're a little light in the pockets to do that in this league. Well, I think also some mentality that goes with that. Yeah, being a fullback, you got to like the break face. Masks. Right, <clears throat> a fullback mm-hmm. mentality is night and day from a running. There's a back reason mentality. why all those guys are undrafted. <laughs> right, Absolutely, most? man. Yeah. yeah, you're not. Yeah, Benny Snell. I, no offense to Benny, but if I'm a linebacker and Benny's the lead blocker, I'm laughing. Yeah, I, I think Benny would be yeah. open to, to doing it. You yeah, know, because I think he wants, he to, wants to help the team. Exactly. Right. You've seen him on special but teams just too. from an ability standpoint. Yeah. And he's yeah. shy. He's not a guy who shies away from physicality right. either. But it's the difference between you running yeah. with the ball, being physical, versus hey, come and try to block me, and For I'm gonna sure. try to tear your face off. Like, yeah, it's different. <laughs> Brian Backo, our good friend from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, joining us here. I want to transition and talk about the defense a little bit. Uh, there's a lot of minutia involved in this. We talked about it a little bit with the time of possession differences, with the, the 22 extra plays that the defense played against San Francisco, the 21 extra plays that the defense played against Seattle. The turnovers are great. The sacks are great. We've seen a lot of good in bursts, but we've also seen a lot of bad, particularly in defending the run game. And what now? Again, I'm not saying it's all entirely on the defense, but what seems like it's becoming a trend over the last two years, if you're talking Oakland and Denver and New Orleans and Cleveland and Seattle and San Francisco so far this year, that just, again, for a lot of different reasons, but can't hold a lead late. I think on one hand, I mean, it, it comes down to the physical portion of it. For whatever sure, reason, without a doubt. For whatever reason, the front is, is just getting beat off the line uh, in the second half of these games. and. You, you wouldn't think fatigue would be an issue as much because they are rotating guys in there. Yeah. Tyson Alualu and Dan McCullers get snaps here and there. I mean, I, they filled in for two it uh, on a drive or two. So, I, I mean, that shouldn't necessarily be the problem. I and mean, I talked to D-line coach Carl Dunbar in the preseason, and 
he said the whole goal with these guys is to get them to the finish line of games and of the season, Absolutely. and we want them to be fresh and playing their best ball towards the end of uh, towards the end of the deal, whether it's a game or, or towards the end of the 2019 campaign. So uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's part of it. But Cam Hayward also said on Tuesday that you know you, they're trying to do too much hero ball. People are trying to take, you know, make plays about. by themselves yes. rather than just fit your gap. Yeah. Uh, you know, do your job and, and make sure the guy next to you can can go and do his. So. There's something to be said for the guys up front, you know, f- you know, filling their gaps and then freeing up the linebackers behind them. Right now, none of it's just really working against the run game. And, um, you know, the, I know the 49ers were really excelling with misdirection and, and sort of keeping them off guard, but that doesn't always work because we've seen that the Steelers' run game can't really right. use that to their advantage. So, Well, and, yeah, just going back to what you're talking about with the hero ball, you can see the <laughs> short yardage situations and even some of those goal line situations where the Dean line in particular – they're trying to swim, guys. They're trying to two-gap instead of just firing off and controlling your assignment. And a lot of times when you have great interior D linemen like a Cam, like it, or even like Tyson who has the first-round pedigree, you're so used to being able to do so much. Beat that, your man by right, yourself. Yeah. Right, that when it comes down to certain things we just need from a schematic standpoint just to do your job and nothing else, it's hard for players like that to do that because they're so used to being able to do exceedingly and abundantly. And that's the issue a little bit, like you said, man, what you're seeing from a run game standpoint in particular. And, and it's one of those cliches you always hear when you're when you're losing, when you're on a, a skid. I mean, you just got to get back to basics. Yes. With the Steelers' defense, I mean, that's exactly what it is. Get back to basics, do the little things, and that's when the big things will happen. So, uh, And, of course, that, that means that the pass rushers at the second level need to do their part as well. Absolutely. It feels like they really missed Vince Williams these last two weeks yeah. too, huh? Maybe – perhaps definitely the two most run-heavy teams they're going to see all season and you don't have your thumping, your big middle linebacker well, out there. Baltimore might uh, – no, That's true. Might, yeah. they, they can okay, always flip that division. switch. They outside can always flip division. that switch and go yeah. back. I know Lamar's been slinging it, but you got to think if, if, this, if Vince is still out and the Steelers are still struggling to control yeah. the run, they'll say, oh, bet. Well, we own Mark Ingram, say, yeah. Lamar scrambling, good night. I personally think, like, if they don't address this run game, that teams are going to start running it even more. If you're Joe Mixon, now granted his numbers haven't been the best this year, and I think that's bad. more so on his O line. His O line yeah. is terrible out there. They they had guys retire yeah, in the offseason. season. They, they, they lost first their first round, round draft right. pick to an injury. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. From when we talked about Joe Mixon versus James Conner, I'm like, yeah, those conversations are drastically different because James has the personnel here from an O line standpoint, whereas that O line personnel in Cincy is a joke. And A.J. Yeah, Green's out, too, so Absolutely. that's one less weapon yeah. in the, in the uh, you know, it's a joke, secondary but Joe, to worry about. Joe Mixon still has been producing. Man, when you look at in the screen game, some of the things they're doing with him out there. But that's the thing, man, right now. It's just if you're not stopping this run, if you're Cincy, you're thinking Joe Mixon, hey, this is your game, like you said, to get back on track. If you're Baltimore, you're saying, hey, Mark Ingram, you ready to get 30 carries today? Yeah. This is your chance. If you're Miami. Yeah. Like, hey, man. <laughs> we got to be able to do something, right? Right, right. <laughs> hey, hey, we might not be able to throw. We could run, though. And, and that's the thing that teams and coordinators in this league, when they find out a weakness or something that you have a chronic issue, mm-hmm. they attack it and attack it until you get it fixed. And even once you get it fixed, they're still going to try to attack it to see how, how fixed it is. Was it a temporary thing or was this for real? So they're going to definitely need to get that thing addressed ASAP. Speaking of things they need to get addressed ASAP, great transition there. You know I got you, my Classic segue. That's what I do. If I could tell you, Brian, if you could be the all-knowing Zahn here, right, and say the Steelers are going to drastically improve in one area, right, 
on Monday night, do you think it would be more – or where, I should say, do you think it would be the most imperative for the team to improve? Is it Mason Rudolph's play? Is it the run game? Is it the wide receivers? Is it on the defense? It, if there's one area that they need to be incrementally better in on Monday night anywhere on the team, what would you say? Most imperative, I think it's it's probably Mason Rudolph. And, and I know that you could argue that because of – his inexperience it's it's the run game that's most imperative but at the same time you got to be able to throw to allow yourself to run so to me in in 2019 NFL if, if you don't have a guy under center that's capable of keeping defenses honest and, and exploiting matchups I, I mean right now I, I don't know if you consider this a, a positive sign or a negative sign because Mason you know wasn't able to get the job done on Sunday ultimately as the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers but all these no-name backup guys were were Slinging that thing yeah, in the look, league, look at the like, at, uh, Carolina, man. Kyle Allen, yeah. you know, like, out of nowhere. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater didn't put up the big numbers like Kyle Allen, but he did enough yeah. to get the Saints a win. Gardner Mishu, Gar- yeah. Gardner's been doing it for two weeks now. Yeah. Daniel Jones, shout is- out to the mustache. <laughs> Daniel Jones, Daniel a, Jones, a high pick. He's got to be sleeping well yeah. this but week. But still, a guy that got thrown into the fire. So, I mean, on one hand, that that does make you positive that or it encourages you that Mason Rudolph's going to be able to find something too, yeah. uh, despite the difficult situation. But yeah, I, I think that's most imperative for this team is uh, for him to to play well, hang some points on a team that you know they have a new head coach. You got to think they're they're not necessarily expecting much out of this season with Zach Taylor. They probably are going to need to overhaul the offense at some point. Andy Dalton's well, okay, but... Defensively, from a personnel standpoint, you have, what, Geno, you got Carlos Dunlap, Kirkpatrick, Wood, and Jackson the third. Yeah. Jesse and after Bates that, back there yeah, you're the asking secondary. yourself, yeah. like, is he scary? Is, uh, is yeah. Sean Williams scary? Is Was it uh, Preston Brown and, and Vir- uh, Virgil, I think is how you say his name? Like, mm-hmm. Sam Hubbard, right? Yeah, that's another... Like, that, Isn't that that's, the Ohio State guy? Yeah, yeah, the big boy Billings right. at nose tackle. You're just like, is, is that really, like, scary? Nah, yeah, it, it really. should be a chance to... It's not as scary as that Seattle and uh, San Francisco. Right, that's San Francisco, you're looking like, ooh, he got... Ooh, right. Oh, and that guy, and yeah. that guy? Yeah, yeah. Bo- Bosa, it's... How is it? It's Nick Bosa, Nick. right? Yes, Correct. Niners, Yeah. He was, uh, he he was really bullying yes. some, some Stillers linemen in there. Yeah, he looked really good. All right, Mr. Backo, I know we got to let you get to practice, but before we do... How you feeling? I know it's a it's a little early. It's a weird week for us to be asking. So not even a just exact let, yeah. point prediction, but just how are you feeling about the outcome? And of I've been Monday putting evening? my money on you, so I need I need it, man. Once again, I've got a good feeling about the Steelers. In oh this one. man, yeah. last time you said that, I oh, know. I, I'm actually I'm gonna leave my Steelers <laughs> mailbag today with this, but uh, you know, this is the first I believe is the first 0 three matchup in the history of Monday Night Football. So five star. Something's got to give. Something's got to give for one of these teams. Like I just said, I, I think the Bengals kind of knew. Coming into this yeah. year, it was going to be a little bit of a lost season, a transition year, rebuilding, whatever you want to call it. Steelers, not so much. You, you got to see what you have in Mason Rudolph for the rest of the way. Got to start stacking some wins if you want to get into this divisional race, and that's exactly what they can do now. Two games in a row Absolutely. at home, Cincinnati and then Baltimore need to come into Heinz Field, make it a tough place to play. We'll see if the crowd shows up for a Monday night game in September with a team that's 0-3. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Steelers, and, and I think they're actually going to win – I don't know about convincingly, but I think it'll be more than one score. I'll go 31-20 Steelers. Ooh, okay. Talk to him, Look man. at that. I said he didn't have to give us an exact prediction. He's I coming in like hot. I like it, man. I'm putting my money. I'm doubling down on back code in, man. He's going on the over, and he is yeah. taking the Steelers. There we the go, spread. man. Love it. This. Love it. Thursdays with our buddy Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You can find his work in the PPG. Find him on Twitter at Brian Backo, where he's always looking for mailbag questions.
Yeah, hit me up. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. As always, All when right, we come back, Moats and I will continue to break down the state of the Steelers. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Moats on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Thanks to our good buddy Brian Backo, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, for joining us there before he heads off to practice again. Always good stuff from him on his practice reports. You can find him at Brian Batko on the Twitter.com. You can find Moats and I there at Wesley Euler at the Body 52 The Body. Oh, man, that's the first one in six days. That, I know, man. That, that you, made me wait, you made me wait a whole two seconds to drop that. Come that, on, that man. That felt good. And, you know, David chimes in here and says that the elephant in the room for this Steelers team, it's not the absence of Big Ben <laughs> or the offense being without Lev Bell or A.B. It's the hole that Arthur Moats left. Oh, man. Hashtag but, but, media can wait. Hey, bless his soul, man. Hey, those those days are gone. It's over. I just want to talk. I want to tell the story. You're and on I the wanna, other side. I want to stare in Wes's eyes and talk Steelers football. That's all I want to do, man. You know, David, we talked about those, all those snaps <laughs> the defense has played the last yeah, two weeks. Uh-uh. I mean, that's like 150 car crashes uh, you missed out listen, on there, Moats. I don't need that in my life. <laughs> I wake up feeling great every morning. Uh, I let my feet touch the ground. My ankles don't hurt. I throw my bathrobe on. I'm just like, ah. Oh. Don't have to watch 37 hours of film hey, every week. Listen, the fact that I'm able to sleep in and wake up at 6.30 or 7 o'clock versus waking up at 5 o'clock, oh, yeah, it's worth it. <laughs> I, I want to ask you, because we've kind of we've gotten into the defense a little bit. We got into the run game there a little bit with Brian Backo last segment. I want to spend some time here talking specifically about Mason and how the Steelers can best support Mason, how they can best put him in a position to succeed. Well, let's talk about it then. How that could look different from what we saw Sunday okay. against the Niners. Because it, as we kind of hashed out, right, we understand at least the logic right behind some of the conservative nature that we saw from right. the Steelers, particularly in the face of your defense forcing all kinds of turnovers and looking really solid in the first half. But I don't know if you saw this stat, Motsi. The Steelers Sunday in San Francisco completed two, as in one, two, buckle my shoe. Yep. Passes across the line of scrimmage. That's it. And they were both the touchdown passes to Juju and to Deontay Johnson. Mm -hmm. You're not going to win many games in the National Football League in the year of our Lord 2019 (laughs) without throwing the ball or completing passes Passes across the line of scrimmage. So – I know this is kind of a can of worms question here for you, but I'm going to let you go wherever you want with this. How can the Steelers best support Mason going forward now that he's had a game, right? Well, really a game and a half, but he's had a week to prep and to see how defenses prepare for him and kind of his feet more wet in that regard. How do the Steelers put him in the best position to succeed? What does that look like tangibly on Monday night? I think it's something that's going to continue to evolve as the season progresses. They're still learning Mason in a starter's capacity. They're still learning Mason in a, what do you like in NFL stadiums on a week-to-week basis? How are you handling your preparation for games? How are you handling when teams are game planning for you? These are all the things that they're having to understand and learn about Mason. And then the, the flip side is Mason is having to learn for himself who he is at this level. Collegiately, we all come in as the best player. We all were the best player on our team or one of the best players on our team, one of the best players in that conference and in the whole NCAA. So now he has to figure out, okay, where am I from a talent standpoint? Am I head and shoulders are better, better than everybody? Am I a guy who needs to study more? Am I a guy who can't make this throw? Am I a guy who can't take that chance? He has to learn that as well. And 
is different than the preseason. In the preseason, you're kind of playing with house money in the sense, even if it's a bad game, if I turn the ball over, it really doesn't count. Whereas now, it's wins and losses. These losses are stacking up. They're sitting at 0-3, and they're looking to Mason to be the guy now. With two so, division games at home upcoming. That, that are must-win. Let's yep. be real about it. These no, are absolutely. must-win games. Absolutely. So for Mason, I even looked at his numbers, and I'm like, okay, 14-27, 174, total yards, two touchdowns. But the one to Juju that went for 76 yards was realistically a 10-yard pass. And just Juju doing what Juju does. Mm-hmm. So in terms of that, I'm like, I like how he was taking care of the ball. But you do have to continue to fill each other out in terms of the quarterback and the OC and the play caller because they have to go together. That's what makes Ben's relationship so awesome with Randy Fickner is the fact that they know each other. They're so comfortable. You know what calls to make, what calls not to make. You knew what Ben could do, what he couldn't do. Ben knew what he can do and what he couldn't do as well. And that's just a part of playing the game. And I think for Mason, what we're seeing right now compared to four or five weeks from now, barring injury, you're going to see him continue to grow and understand who he is as a quarterback. And we're going to know a lot more about him as well, but that's just the nature of it because he hasn't played a lot of football. He's still he's super young in terms of NFL style. But the thing, too, that I think about that a lot of people, I don't want to say overlook, but they try to do the direct comparisons of how the offense looks and the play calls look when Ben's in there versus how the offense looks and how the play calls looks when Mason's in there. No and doubt. the biggest difference is this. When Ben's in there, a lot of the things that he does is through improvisation. It's not that he just, oh, it's the perfect call, everything is the time, and like you see with Tom Brady. How Particularly many, when he had A.B. Right. How many times do we see A.B. run a route, break off, and do something totally different? Those guys were freelancers, It's man. a completion, and you're like, oh, wow, that's an awesome call. No, it wasn't an awesome call. That's just an awesome player. <laughs> it's by- your Jimmy and Joe Absolutely. being better than their X's and O's. Absolutely, and that's what you would get. And you saw when Landry Jones had to come in, when Mike Vick had to come in, and even or Josh Dobbs had to come in. And now you see it with Mason. This offense isn't predicated – I mean, this offense is predicated on being able to have individuals who can just freelance and make a special play happen. And right now, we're not seeing that with Mason. We're not seeing that with Juju. You don't have that type of talent – right now that just says oh okay this is the call it calls for a five yard in but you know what i'm gonna turn this into a five yard in slash 10 yard vertical slash post we're not getting that right now so now this offense is looking very stagnant and that's how it has looked anytime ben hasn't been in there because what ben brought to the table was his ability his ability to do off tempo plays his ability to be off schedule and just to create and until they can find the identity for mason in terms of okay, how much freelancing are we going to give him? How much timing are we going to give him? Until they're able to find that sweet spot, the offense is going to, t- is going to continue to struggle when, in terms of Mason taking those chances down the field and moving the ball. You talk about how it's a process, right? How it takes time, how Mason is learning, how they are learning about Mason, but how does that relate? How can you, for lack of a better term, accelerate that process mm-hmm. when, as you and I just mentioned, it's the most cliche sports radio thing ever to say, Motsi. But the next two weeks are must-win games. Absolutely. Now, typically the easy thing would be to say is we got to run the ball better. But in terms of that, I feel like it falls more so on the receivers because in this league, you have to have receivers. Who can separate. Gonna, they, they not only can separate, but they, uh, they demand attention. Hmm. Right now, when you look at Juju – and this San Fran team, they played a lot of seven- and eight-man box. Single high safety 
what I call blatant disrespect to a number one receiver. Because if you're a number one, they should never be able to single coverage you. They should never be able to just line up and not have any type of help on you. That's disrespectful. But until you see the receiver stepping up and consistently making plays to garner that type of attention, they're not going to see that. And that's why I feel like it really falls on the receivers. For the receivers, if they can step up and start being more productive, well, then it accelerates the process for Mason because now James has those lanes open. Sure. Up. Instead of running against an eight- and seven-man box, now he's running against a seven- or a six-man box. And that's, particularly now with – we're not entirely sure, but what seems like could be a week or a couple weeks without Vance McDonald. Absolutely. So that's the element that could really help him out. And then that opens up the play-action pass, which we talked about being great. But if you don't have a viable threat, it doesn't work because teams won't believe it. So that's the thing that I look at in terms of how can we speed up Mason's process. You need guys like Deontay Johnson to keep stepping up. No Even doubt. Like I said, I don't care that it was against a backup corner. The fact that he went in there, made the big play, you have to respect that. Now, he needs to do that again this week. Juju, Juju made a great play after the catch, what he does always. His run after the catch is elite. He needs to continue to excel in that. Because now that still helps out. That still makes him a viable threat. That still makes people say, you know what, we can't just play cover one because if our guy misses the tackle, he's running by himself for 30, 40 yards. Whereas when you're in a zone, you're like, you know what, we got more help back here. Hey, if you miss that tackle, he got eyes on him. He got eyes on him. Right. So you have more options with that. But until these guys consistently show that they can do that, teams are going to continue to play them in, man. They're going to continue to pack the box. And – I mean, I really don't care who you put back there running back. When you're running against a seven, eight-man box, just from a number standpoint, a seven-man box, factoring you got five offense linemen, you bring in a tight end, you're at six. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen a lot of double tight end sets due to the fact that they haven't felt comfortable with the other tight ends. And some injuries And now. injuries as well. So you're looking at a six-man box. I mean, a six-man offensive line, that's including a tight end, no Rosie still, versus a seven-man, so you still got a free hitter. Or an eight-man where you got two free hitters. And it's not like you have complete and absolute faith in that tight end blocking all Absolutely. the time, too. Yeah. So those are the things that are really causing the issues with the run game. And people just see it as, man, the O-line has to block better. But from a number standpoint, you're asking James and the O-line to essentially be down two men and make something happen. Right. Hey, James, I know you can run over this guy, but run over two guys. Hey, I know you can shake one, but shake two guys. Like, that's a lot to ask of these players. I want to continue that conversation when we come back here with you. Uh, I have a suggestion as to how it's something I think the Steelers could do, and it's not play action. Uh oh, you sure? That would, it's that bootleg. Would, there we go. That would that would help uh, <laughs> would help Mason in the offense. And I want to talk to you about how Jalen Samuels and Dante Moncrief relate to this too, because I don't think we've heard the last, or at least we shouldn't have heard the last from those two uh, this season. And getting them going would be big. Euler and Motes here on SNR. It's the state of the Steelers on a Thursday. The conversation continues when we return right here on your twenty four seven home of the Black and Gold Steelers Nation Radio. You're listening to SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Euler Motes with you here on a Thursday, and that means a couple things, but one of those is that it is three-question Thursday. A three-pack of inquisitive questions for one, Arthur Motes. If you're familiar, you know how this usually works. How does it work? Football-related questions, but outside of the Pittsburgh Steelers bubble. Mm -hmm. Around the league questions, and maybe not hard-hitting X's and O's questions. Maybe sometimes some other conversations going around football. And then a lot of times, too, I like to sneak in a question that kind of catches Arthur Motes off guard and asks for his opinion on something life-related. 
I like it. So shall we? Let's dance, my friend. Let's First dance. one for you. Three question Thursday. Arthur Motes. Is Baker Mayfield ever going to stop clapping back at every single person who says something about him? Nah, bruh. Not a chance. He can't help himself. He has that, you know, I have to shoot every shot and I have to contest every shot thing going on with himself, man. Um, I like it. It's good for our business. Good for media. It's fun. I will to, say it is refreshing. Particularly from a quarterback, right? Because yes. most of the guys that are usually out there saying these are skill position players or defensive guys. You know, it's uh, rare that you hear this kind of boldness and outspokenness from a quarterback. Absolutely. But I will caution Baker. You got to start balling out before you start talking now. Because mm -hmm. you haven't been balling out lately. Mm -hmm. It's been looking pretty bad. And a lot of it's been directly because of him trying to do too much. So we he needs to just understand that. One thing, we, we have a lot of themes, right? We have a lot of lines on this show, Mozi. Mm -hmm. One of them, though, is, right, keep that same energy. Keep that same energy, my friend. I will say, Baker Mayfield told – the media told everybody before the year, I'm never going to change. Right. So I will give him credit in that regard. <laughs> hey, he's at least absolutely. a man of his word there. If, if he didn't fire a shot back at Rex Ryan, you'd almost say, well, Baker's changing. Right. But, but – Go ahead. To, and so, again, he is keeping that same energy, but I'm with you in the sense that – Dude, it's not like you guys are lighting the world on fire and your numbers are out of control. Right. And and I get, you know, these guys are human. People are saying things about them, but it like with him it seems like Motsi again, it's not just occasionally. Anytime somebody high profile says something bad about him, right. he has to respond. He can never just let it go. Yeah, and you know, that's the thing that I just don't understand because I always assume, like, it's just easy to let it just go off the back of you. You know, it's just ward off the duck's back. That's always looked at. You say something to me, all right, whatever, man. I know who I am. I'm confident in my abilities. I'm confident in my performance. And I'm confident in where I'm at in life. But for Baker, he doesn't seem to have that same thought. He's like, he reminds me of that person that's, like, trying to prove it to everybody. Man, I'm tough. Yeah, I'm tough. I'll say something to anybody. Yeah, I'm tough. I, what you want me to say? I'll say something to him, too. Like, you don't have to do that, Baker. You don't, what are you trying? You don't have to prove that. Just go be you. Go be you on the field, ball out, and that's fine. But like I said, it's good for our business, man. So keep it's it great. up, Baker. It's great. You know what else is good for our business? Uh oh, talk about this it. This is three question Thursday, question number one B. Oh, okay. Along with quarterbacks and some words in the media or some words being spoken. Do you see the exchange between Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky? Ooh, I did not. Talk about it. So video came out from the Monday night matchup, yes. right? It was uh, Bears at uh, the Washington team, yes. right? We don't say those guys what, last the Redskins? name. Whoa! Oh, my bad. The, the Washington team. My bad. You threw me off, man. You caught me off guard. In the, in the dump there known as FedEx Field. All right. Video came out yesterday of a different camera angle of Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky in a Ooh. huddle. And Matt Nagy tell like they're having dialogue. Yes. And Matt Nagy like overrides Trubisky and clearly you could see it clear as day, says, Shut the bleep up. Oh okay. And I think you guys can connect dots about what that four yeah, four yeah. letter bleep Come word on, was. Man. We don't want to get kicked off the air, man. Keep it going. And so now people are talking, Oh, well, what's going on with Matt Nagy? You can't talk to your quarterback like that. Can you talk to your quarterback like that? Oh man. Arthur Motes. Talk uh, about it. Can you still coach in the NFL in the modern day? Is that okay for a for a coach to talk to his player like that in the heat of the moment? Listen, man, fans get worked up about that. For the players, like, all right, he tell me shut up, I'll shut up. When he leave, I'll be talking again. <laughs> I've been told shut the bleep up many a times in my playing day at all levels, <laughs> not just professionally, but at all levels. All right. Sometimes it might have some some extra uh, 
uh, let, let, let's see what, what what is it uh adverbs and, and different things adjectives to, adjectives that make it sound pronouns little, you know, little little things that accentuate the words in the sentence Those four letters in yeah that you know i've experienced a lot of that in my day <laughs> but when the coach leaves you be yeah, talking hey, again i'm talking again hey, he look at you be like yep all right, I'm gonna just I'm gonna close one with nod my head when he leave. I'm talking cash jump. Like man, I can't believe he's gonna say that. Man, he better not say it again. And he know what's up. I'm just trying to chill right now. I ain't, I ain't want no problems right now. But he know what's up. It's hard to be a coach in this era, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, we, it's like we have one of these conversations every year, whether it be college sports yeah. or the what they got on the Izzo. NFL. Remember they got on Izzo right. about that, man. Can, can, can coaches talk to their athletes you, this way? You can't yell at the guy. You got to talk and coddle him and, and, and let him know, hey, it's okay. Yeah, that's what Chuck Knoll used to do with it's the Steelers, okay. right? You'll be okay. That's all right. That's what that's what Chuck Knoll used to do with the Steelers, right? That's what Bill Cowher did Absolutely. with the Absolutely. You know, Cow- Cowher said, hey, Jerome, it's okay. I love you. Don't worry about it. You'll get it next time. Stop it. Man, listen. If it wasn't for the cameras, the social media element, and the fan it's having that type of voice, none of this gets talked about. But just due to the climate in terms of fans being able to highlight something on social media, and then it goes viral. Now it's something that has to be talked about because so many people want to know about it. And that's just the biggest difference between back then versus now. The same stuff has been going on. It's just now it's easier to highlight these things, and it lives forever on the Internet. Back 10, 15 years ago, if you didn't see it when it happened or if you went in the stadium when it happened, no one saw it. It's over. Right. Now you're able to take that 10-second clip and just keep it. On yeah. YouTube and Twitter and Facebook Absolutely. and Instagram and Snapchat and, and then you go on TikTok. T- then you go on Twitter and you post it and you have the comments and you get the holier than thou's. How could he talk to him like that? Because oh, it's always man. black and white, right? Yeah, yeah. How could you say that? That's not nice. Or then you get the re- reply to that and like, oh, grow up, snowflake. Yeah, he's soft. You're soft for thinking he's soft. <laughs> so these are the things that are associated with this generation. But, hey, it's a great time to be alive, man. Shout out to the media business because the business is bu- Oh, I guess we can't say that no more. Well, business isn't glooming. Yeah, but it's it's not. It Rhymes with glooming. Yeah, can't Start say to the that. Beat. Yep. <laughs> Three question Thursday. <laughs> question number two. Arthur Motes, there are eight teams in the National Football League who are still undefeated. Uh-oh. So I'm going to run through these eight with you, right? And you tell me who's a real threat, who's a real championship contender, and who's fool's gold. Uh-oh. All right? That first one's going to be pretty easy. Oh, the Buffalo Bills? The New England Patriots. Oh, okay, okay. Going with that team. Real contender or fool's gold? Oh, I don't know where you're going oh, with this one. Oh, man. Your boy, TB12. Stop it. Man. My boy plays tonight. Mr. Vegan Ice Cream. All right. You know what? Mr. Wheatgrass Cake. I will say that they happen to be for real this time. They're not fool's gold. They are, would you say contenders? Contenders? Yeah, I'll say they're contenders. I guess so. <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs, I think this will be another pretty easy one. Contenders or pretenders? Now, see, Patty Mahomes, a.k.a. Mama Home, yeah, he's a contender. He's for real. And they say he's uh, already starting that, that conversation, man. Go get that I was going to say, before dollar, the season's over. 200 You know what $200 million buys you? A lot of hair, uh, a lot of hair gel, a lot of uh, ketchup. I was going to say a lot of crappy hunts. Ketchup. The I like that. Dallas Cowboys. Oh, man. Contender, pretender, or maybe somewhere uh, in between. Well, you said it's absolute. So it can't be somewhere in between. That's right. This is radio. Black you, you're and making white. it easy. All right, Come so on, man. Contender or pretender. All right. The easy thing is to say they are contenders. That's the easy part, so I'll say that. Even though I do feel that they have a little bit of pretending in them. And why is that? 
Jess, I'm just looking at some of the teams they've matched up against. I'm not really a fan Giants, of Giants, yeah, the Washington team. At, what team is that again? The 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 Washington team? Yeah, I'm so confused. I don't know, but they're owned by Daniel Snyder. Yeah, I'm yep. It doesn't really like say, oh man, that's real. And then they play what Miami. Mm-hmm. Sounds like fools go to me, but I digress. So they look the part of a playmakers on the outside. Yeah. Good run game. Good they, defense. Hey, listen, man, D- uh, Dak is about to get paid nicely off of these three teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shout out to them. He's not they, taking they, any they, they played a, a giant, a Eli Manning Giants team. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, not Danny Dimes out there. Right. They, they play in a tank in Miami team. You know what? I'm changing my answer, man. Contender or pretender. Oh, I got to go with pretender, man. Here's one that I am kind of bullish on. The Los Angeles Rams. Now, I'm going with the bat code theory. That, you know, they are real, and that's the only team that beat the Saints, and the Saints are real. And that's the only team that beat uh, – who was it? Did they beat? Was it Saints San- beat the Seahawks. The Seahawks last as well, week. yeah. So I'm just like, you know what, maybe, the, maybe the Rams are nice Without like that. Without Drew Brees. Yeah, so you know what, I'm going Rams. I think the Rams got the They juice. were in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. They've got the guy who, it's hard for me to say, but I think is the best football player in the world right now, Aaron Donald. Oh, fair enough, yeah. Absolutely. Hail to Pitt. Well, yeah. uh, speaking of Hail to Pitt, how about the next guy? Well, I guess he's not with the Bills anymore, Nathan Peterman, your boy. Stop that. The Buffalo Bills, Motsi, contender Let's or go pretender? Buffalo. Just, I'm doubling just re- down. Remember who picked them to make the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Who picked them? Both of us, actually. Okay, I'll just say it. Talk about it. <laughs> hey, major contender. Sitting at 3-0, and playing some very good ball. Finding ways to win, which is the thing I like. Even though Josh Allen still has some of those little bonehead turnovers, that defense is still playing lights out. Yeah, they're getting it done, man. I'm a Josh Allen guy. I think that he has a lot of that big bend in him in terms of his mobility, escaping the pocket, and he has a cannon on his arm. The team who's in action tonight, quarterbacked by my boy, mm. the Green Bay Packers, 3-0 and mm. in that defense looking rejuvenated. Mm. I don't want to sound like a hater. I feel like I'm a hater if I say they're fool's gold. Hey, no, that's okay. They're fool's gold in your mind? <sighs> Who have they played so far? They've played break it down. the Bears okay. in Chicago. Yes. They have played the Vikings at home. Uh-huh. And I forget who their third who was their third game against. Now you're putting me on the spot. But two division foes and was it Denver? Was it Denver? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It I was think Denver. it was Denver. Yep. Oh man. You know what? For the sake of it, we will say that they are contenders because I know you like him a little bit. But you like TB12 more. Stop it. I just – I'm still not sold on them all the way, man. I, I'm, I'm not. I think it's fair. I need to see more from the offense, but I'd, and rather, that's my I'd rather be saying that than I need to see more from the defense. Absolutely. And I think, like, from Mike Patton, like I said, our time together, him being my DC in Buffalo, mm-hmm. I think he is a great mind when it comes to defense, when it comes to him getting the players that he needs to take out certain things and, and ultimately play a fast – aggressive style of defense and that's what they're doing and I think now tell me what we talked about with how they've been acquiring talent just slowly but surely not the flashy stuff but just getting players in there I think now that he has that that system is working perfectly for him so that's the only reason why I'm like you know what I gotta buy I gotta drink that Kool-Aid because it's him what about the team that the Steelers just saw that you just saw in person? Oh, man, they fool's goal, man. I think so, too. Major fool's goal. Defense looks good. 
That thing will turn your neck green, man. Running backs look good, but yeah, yeah, I don't believe him. Uh, I'm with you too. I, I and, and I don't believe from, in Jimmy G either, Jimmy man. G. I don't believe yeah. in Jimmy G. And another team that I don't really believe in, but has been a surprising upstart, the Lions. They're not three and zero. They're two zero and one. Man, fools gold, but fools man. Gold. You already know how I feel about that pencil fraud. Hey, man, you like him almost as much as I like West Virginia. Yeah, I like him. Not al- a lot. I like him almost as much as I like Tom Brady. Oh. You love Tom Brady. I could name 100 quarterbacks. You that said like that you were Tom mad Brady. that he didn't invite you to live in his house and he invited somebody else to. Ha! Uh, I'd be too afraid to live in his house. I wouldn't want him to try and open mouth kiss me. Oh. Three question wow. Thursday. <laughs> question number three. Arthur Motes. <laughs> today, September 26th, Jeez. is National Pancake Day. Hey, get so the high cakes, baby. question for you, Arthur Motes. Talk about it. Pancakes, waffles, or French toast? Oh, man. Start one, bench one, cut one. Jeez. All right, where are these from? Are they from IHOP? Are they from Denny's? Oh. Or are they from the Pancake now, see, House? see, I was going to ask you. IHOP, Waffle House, Eaton Park, Denny's, right, Bob right. Evans. Because that's, that's the difference. So, or you're, uh, I mean, you could be cooking them in, in your own kitchen. So if it's, you know, if it's the Pancake House, give me the French toast. And after the French toast, I want to go with the pancakes. And then after the pancakes, I go with the waffles. Okay. If I'm at, if I'm on the road for a game and it's the hotel and they got the waffle maker, oh, yeah. give me the waffle because the waffle is an animal. Then after that, give me the pancake. Then give me the French toast. Okay. See what I'm saying here? I see what you're saying. You, catch one of, you, you, you got layers. You got now? layers. There's levels yeah, to this. No question, man. It depends on where it's from. All right. Now, if we're talking Denny's. Oh, man, Denny's is rough. I'll probably just go with the French toast, then waffle it up, then pancake it at the end. Okay. All right. But now if we got to pick which location I'd rather eat at, I'm definitely going pancake house, then I'm going IHOP. Okay. And then after that, oh, man, Bob Evans. I forgot to throw Cracker Barrel in there too. Oh, never mind. Cracker Barrel, throw it up Cracker there. Cracker Barrel's yeah, a good yeah. one. I, uh. I'm a French toast hater, Arthur Motes. Why? Not because I don't like the taste of it, uh-huh. but I don't like a huge, heavy breakfast. Well, you Every know you time got I have French options. toast, I feel like it sticks with me. You know, I can feel it in my but, stomach but the rest of the day. But you got options on the bread. You don't have to use the Texas toast. You could use the I like the right. cinnamon swirl. See, I, I've had it on Ooh. regular, like, Wonder Bread, like, thin sandwich slice. You know what I mean? You got options with this thing, man. I'm a pancake guy. Because they're just simple. I throw a little syrup on there, and I'm good to yeah. go. I love waffles. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Love them. If I've got all kinds of time in the world, I'll probably go the waffle route. It depends on they the They need dressed though. up a little bit. Well, not for me, man. For me, no? man. No, just give me a little butter. A little My syrup. wife, too. I should also say I'm maybe a little biased in this regard. My wife, Morgan, makes killer pancakes. Oh, shout out for the invite. I appreciate that. <laughs> and, 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 Morgan, if you're listening, too, thanks for inviting me over. You know, this is crazy. We usually, you know, on a Saturday or Sunday morning, she'll whip up some pancakes. Wow. And so 